0: Chapter thirty four of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, June two thousand eight. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, written by herself, by Harriet Jacobs, written under the pseudonym Linda Brent. Chapter thirty four The Old Enemy Again. My young mistress, Miss Emily Flint, did not return any answer to my letter requesting her to consent to my being sold. But after a while I received a reply which purported to be written by her younger brother. In order rightly to enjoy the contents of this letter, the reader must bear in mind that the Flint family supposed I had been at the North many years. They had no idea that I knew of the doctor's three excursions to New York in search of me that I had heard his voice, when he came to borrow five hundred dollars for that purpose, and that I had seen him pass on his way to the steamboat. Neither were they aware that all the particulars of Aunt Nancy's death and burial were conveyed to me at the time they occurred. I have kept this letter, of which I herewith subjoin a copy. Your letter to sister was received a few days ago. I gather from it that you are desirous of returning to your native place, among your friends and relatives. We were all gratified with the contents of your letter, and let me assure you that if any members of the family have had any feeling of resentment towards you, they feel it no longer. We all sympathize with you in your unfortunate condition, and are ready to do all in our power to make you contented and happy. It is difficult for you to return home as a free person. If you were purchased by your grandmother, it is doubtful whether you would be permitted to remain, although it would be lawful for you to do so. If a servant should be allowed to purchase herself, after absenting herself so long from her owners, and return free, it would have an injurious effect. From your letter I think your situation must be hard and uncomfortable. Come home. You have it in your power to be reinstated in our affections. We would receive you with open arms and tears of joy. You need not apprehend any unkind treatment, as we have not put ourselves to any trouble or expense to get you— Had we done so, perhaps we should feel otherwise. You know my sister was always attached to you, and that you were never treated as a slave. You were never put to hard work, nor exposed to field labor. On the contrary, you were taken into the house and treated as one of us, and almost as free. And we, at least, felt that you were above disgracing yourself by running away. Believing you may be induced to come home voluntarily has induced me to write for my sister. The family will be rejoiced to see you— and your poor old grandmother expressed a great desire to have you come, when she heard your letter read. In her old age she needs the consolation of having her children round her. Doubtless you have heard of the death of your aunt. She was a faithful servant, and a faithful member of the Episcopal Church. In her Christian life she taught us how to live, and, oh, too high the price of knowledge she taught us how to die. Could you have seen us round her deathbed with her mother, all mingling our tears in one common stream? You would have thought the same heartfelt tie existed between a master and his servant, as between a mother and her child. But this subject is too painful to dwell upon. I must bring my letter to a close. If you are contented to stay away from your old grandmother, your child, and the friends who love you, stay where you are. We shall never trouble ourselves to apprehend you. But, should you prefer to come home, we will do all that we can to make you happy." If you do not wish to remain in the family, I know that father, by our persuasion, will be induced to let you be purchased by any person you may choose in our community. You will please answer this as soon as possible, and let us know your decision. Sister sends much love to you. In the meantime, believe me your sincere friend and well-wisher." This letter was signed by Emily's brother, who was as yet a mere lad. I knew by the style that it was not written by a person of his age, and though the writing was disguised, I had been made too unhappy by it in former years not to recognize at once the hand of Dr. Flint. Oh, the hypocrisy of slaveholders! Did the old fox suppose I was goose enough to go into such a trap? Verily he relied too much on the stupidity of the African race. I did not return the family of Flint's any thanks for their cordial invitation— a remissness for which I was, no doubt, charged with base ingratitude. Not long afterwards, I received a letter from one of my friends at the South, informing me that Dr. Flint was about to visit the North. The letter had been delayed, and I supposed he might be already on the way. Mrs. Bruce did not know I was a fugitive. I told her that important business called me to Boston, where my brother then was, and asked permission to bring a friend to supply my place as nurse for a fortnight. I started on my journey immediately, and as soon as I arrived, I wrote to my grandmother that if Benny came he must be sent to Boston. I knew she was only waiting for a good chance to send him north, and fortunately she had the legal power to do so without asking leave of anybody. She was a free woman, and when my children were purchased, Mr. Sands preferred to have the bill of sale drawn up in her name. It was conjectured that he advanced the money, but it was not known. At the South, a gentleman may have a shoal of colored children without any disgrace, but if he is known to purchase them, with the view of setting them free, the example is thought to be dangerous to their peculiar institution, and he becomes unpopular. There was a good opportunity to send Benny in a vessel coming directly to New York. He was put on board with a letter to a friend, who was requested to see him off to Boston. Early one morning there was a loud rap at my door, and in rushed Benjamin, all out of breath— "'Oh, mother!' he exclaimed. "'Here I am. I run all the way, and I come all alone. How do you do?' "'Oh, reader, can you imagine my joy?' "'No, you cannot, unless you have been a slave, mother.' Benjamin rattled away as fast as his tongue could go. "'Mother, why don't you bring Ellen here? I went over to Brooklyn to see her, and she felt very bad when I bid her good-bye. She said, "'Oh, Ben, I wish I was going too.' I thought she'd know ever so much, but she don't know so much as I do, for I can read and she can't. And, mother, I lost all my clothes coming. What can I do to get some more? I suppose free boys can get along here at the North as well as white boys." I did not like to tell the sanguine, happy little fellow how much he was mistaken. I took him to a tailor and procured a change of clothes. The rest of the day was spent in mutual asking and answering of questions, with the wish constantly repeated that the good old grandmother was with us, and frequent injunctions from Benny to write to her immediately, and be sure to tell her everything about his voyage, and his journey to Boston. Dr. Flint made his visit to New York, and made every exertion to call upon me, and invite me to return with him, but not being able to ascertain where I was, his hospitable intentions were frustrated, and the affectionate family, who were waiting for me with open arms, were doomed to disappointment. As soon as I knew he was safely at home, I placed Benjamin in the care of my brother William, and returned to Mrs. Bruce. There I remained through the winter and spring, endeavouring to perform my duties faithfully, and finding a good degree of happiness in the attractions of baby Mary, the considerate kindness of her excellent mother, and occasional interviews with my darling daughter. But when summer came, the old feeling of insecurity haunted me. It was necessary for me to take little Mary out daily for exercise and fresh air, and the city was swarming with southerners, some of whom might recognise me. Hot weather brings out snakes and slaveholders, and I like one class of the venomous creatures as little as I do the other. What a comfort it is, to be free to say so! End of chapter 34